Most research on charter schools focuses on how well they serve the students who attend them. But the political debate over charter schools often turns more on their impact on other students, those who remain in district schools. So how does the presence of charter schools affect their district neighbors? And does that affect change when the two kinds of schools share buildings? The answers to those questions have big implications for the viability of charter schooling as a strategy to improve public education. I'm Marty West, editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Sarah Cordes, assistant professor of policy, leadership, and organizational studies at Temple University. Sarah's article, Charters and the Common Good, the Spillover Effects of Charter Schools in New York City, will appear in the spring 2018 issue of the journal and is available now at educationnext.org. Sarah, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So as you point out in the article, the debate over charter schools and how they affect district schools follows a pretty standard script. Advocates say that competition from charters will help all schools to improve. Critics say that charters will undermine district school performance by sapping resources and motivated students. Before we get into your article and its findings, I wanted to start out by asking you about some of the language you use in the article. You tend to use the term spillover effects rather than highlighting the potential role of competition per se. Why did you make that choice? Uh, so there's really, um, when you think about charter schools, there's sort of two primary arguments as to how they might positively impact the performance of uh, students in traditional public schools. And so one of those is the the competition argument that's highlighted pretty frequently um, in the media. Um, and the other is um, sort of one of the reasons that charter schools were initially um, created, which is this idea that they could be um, grounds for innovation that could then pass on to the public schools. And so I'm not really able to distinguish between those two arguments um, in my research. So all I can say is sort of what effects charter schools are having and I'm um, that could be competition or it could be um, these the spreading of, of innovative techniques from and, one sector to the other. And why was New York City a good place to study this phenomenon? So um, one unique, um, relatively unique feature in New York City is that um, there are these things called co-located schools where traditional public schools and charter schools are located in the same physical building. Um, and so that's sort of an extreme case of proximity that um, hasn't really been studied before. Um, and it's it's something that's becoming more common in other urban districts, um, but it's particularly contentious um, in New York just because, you know, um, public school Advocates are, are very much concerned that, you know, once you have the charter school in the building, um, the effects are even more negative. Um, so, yeah, New York just gave me a really unique opportunity to study that particular phenomenon. I was struck by just the sheer incidence of co-locations, not just among charter schools, but even among district schools as well that you report in the article. So I think you said 60% of charters are in a co-located facility, but as many as 47% of district schools actually are sharing their facilities, I guess, with another district school. Is that right? Yeah. So um, that particular figure, I believe, is from the, the Research Alliance for New York City Schools. Um, and, yeah, so space is obviously at a, at a premium in New York. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of space sharing going on. 
And New York City also has a fairly substantial charter presence. I believe you say 11% of schools are charter schools in New York City, and that's up quite a bit from uh, 2% in the past decade or so. So it's really that rapid expansion that you're going to take advantage of in order to try and understand this, uh, their effects. Is that right? Exactly. So my study sort of, my study does look at the first decade, basically, of charter schools in New York, and they expanded quite rapidly over that period. There were very few, I think about one or two sort of in the initial, um, in the initial years. And by the conclusion of my study, um, there were, I believe, about a hundred. And so uh, 11% of New York City schools overall are charters at this point. Um, but we know that it's much higher than that in certain areas of the city. So in Harlem, for example, a much higher share of schools are now charter schools. And that variation across different areas within New York City is helpful for you because it gives you the variation that you use to try and understand how this is affecting district schools. But it's also a bit of a challenge because charter schools are certainly not opening up in random locations throughout the city. Uh, and so you have to be worried about the fact that, you know, maybe there's something different about the places where they're opening. So how did you address that in your research? Right. So that was sort of the, the biggest challenge um, for me when I was thinking about how to answer this question. And so um, the the main way that I'm able to address that is I basically compare um, students in a particular school before a charter opens nearby to students that are attending that same exact school after a charter school opens up. So I'm basically comparing the kids in a school to kids in that same school. And so you're seeing how performance in that school changes as the school opens up nearby or mm -hmm. moves into the very same building. Um, and you're also going to see whether the effect of charters varies depending on just how close they are. Is that, exactly. that right? Exactly. So, you know, you may have a particular public school where in, you know, 2000, um, there's a charter school opens up, you know, three quarters of a mile away, but then two years later a new one opens up that's even closer. And so I'm able to exploit um, that variation over time as well. So I guess we've buried the lead in this conversation a bit, but hopefully listeners are still with us. I'll finally ask you, what did you find? How is the presence of charter schools or the proximity of charter schools affecting district schools in New York? Sure. Um, so what I find is that charter schools um, have uh, a small positive impact on traditional public school students. Um, so having a charter school uh, locate um, nearby um, increases traditional public school student performance in both math and English language arts. Um, and it also significantly decreases the probability that um, those kids are getting held back in, in their grade. So those are all, you know, pretty positive outcomes. Um, and then I also, um, to sort of explore reasons why their performance might be increasing, um, I examined sort of different things that are going on in the school, like um, potential changes in demographics, um, per people expenditures, um, and uh, parent and teacher um, responses to school climate surveys. And one of the things you look at is whether the impact of the charter school depends on its own quality, uh, finding at least some suggestive evidence that um, it's better to have a 
high-quality charter school nearby. Is that right? Yes. So I do find some suggestive evidence that that's going on. So either if either explanation is true, either competition or information transfers, um, that public schools are going to be more responsive um, or sort of more aware if there's a high-quality charter school opening nearby. So from the competition perspective, you would obviously be more concerned if there's sort of a better um, option close by and you might be more likely to respond. And then on the innovation front, you know, if there's a high-quality charter school, um, you're more likely to see improvements in the public school just because, you know, they have sort of figured out better practices that might then transfer over. Yeah, maybe they have some useful lessons to draw on in the first place in that case. Right, right. And I think we skipped over this, but you uh, looked both at district schools that are nearby, but also district schools that are co-located and um, found that the effects are largest in those co-located facilities, exactly where the controversy has been most intense. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. So tell us what you think's going on. You mentioned that you tried to test some different explanations about what could be going on. Uh, you didn't find much evidence that there were demographic changes in the schools that are near to a uh, newly opened charter, but what else did or didn't change in those schools? So the demographics, like you said, really didn't change very much. Um, one of the big changes that I saw in those schools after a charter school opens up nearby is um, an increase in uh, per-pupil expenditures. And so um, those are pretty pretty sizable um, changes, so they amounted to something like uh, – equivalent to like a year's growth um, in expenditures after a charter school opens up nearby. Um, And what I think is going on, um, and I hope to do some more work digging into this in the future, is that um, there's sort of small declines in public school enrollment. So, you know, maybe like five or six kids per grade, fewer um, students um, in the public schools after a charter school opens up. And so we might be talking about, you know, slightly smaller class sizes and these um, expenditures being spread over slightly fewer students. So um, certainly not enough to be sort of gutting the public school, but, you know, enough at the margin to be increasing the, the per-pupil amount. Yeah, so what you're finding is increases in per-pupil spending in those schools, and you're suggesting mm-hmm. that that could be driven not by, say, the district allocating more dollars to those schools, but rather by the denominator changing, the number of students being slightly affected. Yeah, exactly. So I guess that's, that's an interesting issue to raise in this context because one of the concerns that districts will uh, express about the presence of charters is that when students move into charter schools that uh, they generally take a good share of the funding with them, but that schools aren't able to reduce their costs by the same amount because uh, they have some fixed costs that don't vary directly with student enrollment. Um, you're saying that in this case, that's translating into at least increased spending in these specific schools that are most proximate. Exactly, yes. Though I guess it could create a, a challenge for the district as a whole over time. Yes, certainly. And there, there has been some... Um, some recent evidence out of um, North Carolina and other districts in the state of New York, but not New York City, um, that suggests that sort of at a district level, um, 
that can come at a financial cost, but because I'm looking at it sort of at a school level, um, that might explain why I'm seeing a little bit of a difference. So the final thing you look at are some uh, parent surveys, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us what you learned from those? One of the, I, I guess, um, possibilities for why student performance may increase is there's something different going on um, in the school and something about the school culture that might be changing um, due to the charter schools opening up. And um, I was able to um, use this really um, rich data from parents and teachers. Um, so New York City has a school climate survey um, that's administered to all parents and teachers. Um, where it asks various questions about, you know, whether there's somebody at the school that knows your name, how often school um, is communicating with their parent, with the parents, and, and things like that. Um, and so what I did was try to um, see if parents' responses to these climate surveys were changing after a charter school opened up nearby. Um, and I did see some evidence that um, parents were saying that after a charter school opened, um, they were reporting higher levels of student engagement um, and um, somewhat lower levels of um, school feeling unsafe. Um, so there, I have I have less um, years of data on this particular outcome, but um, in general, the the trends. Um, and the coefficient suggests that parents may have a, a more positive perception um, of the school after a charter school opens up. So it's very complementary with your other results, and the overall results paint a pretty positive picture about the way in which charters are affecting at least their nearest neighbors in New York City. What do you see as the implications of this work? What do you want policymakers in New York City or elsewhere to take away from your research? The reason... I started out on this um, journey (laughs) um, examining this question is um, coming at it from the point of view that there is a pretty solid body of evidence that charter schools, um, on average, at least in in urban areas, tend to improve the performance of the kids who actually attend those charter schools. And I really wanted to understand whether that's coming at a cost to the majority of the public school students who are remaining in these traditional public schools. Um, And my findings would suggest, at least in in New York, that the answer is is no. Um, It doesn't seem to be sort of a zero-sum game where um, some kids get to exercise choice and that comes at a cost to the other kids in the school district. I, I, in fact, find that, you know, kids who are in public schools close to a charter school seem to benefit. And then when I look at sort of the city as a whole, that doesn't seem to be coming at a cost to the entire district. Um, so I, I would say my findings suggest that um, expanding the number of charter schools in New York, um, at least sort of at a smaller scale, um, I, I think could potentially help traditional public school students, and I certainly don't see any evidence that it would be harmful to them. So I would say those are the implications. My guest today has been Sarah Cordes, assistant professor at Temple University and the author of Charters in the Common Good, available now at educationnext.org. Sarah, you described this research as a journey, and as those of us who have been involved in similar projects know, that's a accurate description. Thank you for sharing a little bit of the journey and its destination with us uh, on the podcast. Thank you so much. 
You've been listening to the Ednex Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your content so that you don't miss an episode. While you're there, be sure to check out our archive, and especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners, and more listeners find us.